0: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm now joined by Alex Stewart. Hello, Joe. Hello, Alex. And Seb Stafford-Blore. Hello, Joe Devine. Hi, Seb. We just watched the uh, Italy-Turkey game uh, 0-3, 3-0, whichever way you'd uh, like to talk about it. Uh, And uh, there were lots of themes that we pulled out we're going to talk about today. Uh, Can Italy go all the way being the main one? But before we get started, uh, there are a few facts that Seb has uh, noted down here in the podcast plan. Mancini course, the head coach of uh, Italy. He's been in charge since May 2018. Uh, Buffon and uh, De Rossi retired after a defeat to Sweden in the uh, World, C- uh, World Cup playoff, and uh, so did Chiellini, but he reversed the decision. The last time
2: that they lost the game, though, this is the interesting one, was in September 2018 to Portugal, Seb. Yeah, an amazing, amazing record. It's also one that's kind of crept up on everybody, because you know what it's like during European qualification you just you it kind of happens in the back in the background you have teams that sort of slowly accumulate points the opposition isn't necessarily that high and over over time a sequence just develops like that and all of a sudden you come into a tournament like this and italy look like a team that haven't lost in three years
1: yeah, I and mean, they they also really? I think the key being they look like a completely different team to the team that played prior to that because you've listed here in the loss yeah. there were four survivors uh, Berardi was on the bench for that game Immobile, Jorginho and Donnarumma were the other players who played in that last loss and since then the team has had a complete makeover
2: Yeah, in personnel but also style Joe I, I think one of the reasons we we were talking before we were all really looking forward to seeing Italy because they're playing a new style they're playing a sort of more vertical uh, ticket Italia is the, the way it's referred to in Italy and it's an exciting way of, of playing the game. But also, it's, it's, I suppose if you, were, if you were someone who didn't pay a lot of attention to Italian football, you'd think it's almost kind of a, an anti-Italian way of playing, which is expressive and dynamic and quick and vertical, and actually a lot of fun. Like as, a, as, a, as an opening tournament game goes, where you usually expect it to be a little bit cagey and for the occasion to get on top of players, everyone to be a little bit fearful, to not want to lose. This was great. It was just expressive, and, okay, Italy were a little bit wasteful in the first half, uh, but they were, they were expressive, and well, it was great. We'll come to
1: talk about that, too, because this team, yeah. they won 10 out of 10 in their qualifying tournament, uh, and, I mean, people have been talking about them as, uh, as going all the way. So, Alex... I'm going to put that to you momentarily, but beforehand, will you tell me a little bit about how they play? Because Sebas described them there as sort of abandoning the Italian style of the past. I know this happened some time ago, yeah. being being very dramatic.
3: But <laughs> they do strike me as a bit of a different Italy team, not the one that me as a sort of layman is used to. Yeah, so for a long time, Italy were associated with three at the back. Um, and, and so playing a four at the back is an immediate and obvious departure from that. Uh, obviously, the way they build up from deep with one of the full backs, uh, usually Forense on the right hand side, holding back a little bit, allowing Spinner Zola on the left to push forward, does create something of a back three. Um, but it's, it's not. It's, it's a back four that adapts in deep build up, but will fall back to make a flatter four in defence. That feels of that, quite modern. It is quite modern. I mean, this is, you know, with, with international football, you'll, you'll see teams, particularly I think teams that play a 4-3-3, that do a lot of very similar things. So you'll often have one quite sitting midfielder. In this instance, it's Jorginho. He's there to kind of conduct spray passes around from a deeper position. One of the players, uh, and in this instance, it was Locatelli to his left will also be able to drop into more of a six-roll, but can push forwards, and then you'll have a much more advanced player on the other side, Nicola Barella in this case. Um, and they're sort of trying to create this uh, opportunity for the midfielders to get between the lines. And when Seb's referring to this increased verticality, that's what Italy will do. Rather than just kind of soak up pressure and try to hit skillful players long, they will look to progress the ball through the lines... When they get probably to sort of just beyond halfway line, that's when they look for the width, mm. and there you have again quite a modern thing where the uh, fullbacks and the wide attackers will either invert or overlap depending on what the other one is doing, and that's why you get p- players like Berardi, for example, or Insigne cutting inside and trying to shoot, but also over and
1: over, and over again,
3: <laughs> over and over yeah, and yeah. Yeah. over again. But also you would you would see spinner Zola. Um, the left back cropping up in, in quite an inside possession in the left half space um, because the insignia in that instance has has maintained the width on the left hand side. So a lot of what Italy are doing now is what good club sides who play a 433 do. Uh, and because they have technically proficient, quick players, they are able to do this.
1: Let me ask you this then, because we talk sometimes about international football being a little bit more pragmatic and defensive partly as a result of how much time coaches get with players. Mm. And sometimes you find, maybe a little bit like with the England team in 2018, had so many Spurs players who were all used to playing together, all used to playing a certain style of football, that in some ways that helped Gareth Southgate to adopt that a bit. Is there a particular reason that the Sicily team can play in, in a way that I might not associate with international football so much?
3: Well, so for example, uh, Locatelli and Barardi play together at Sassuolo, uh, and there, De Zerbi did institute a style of play that's very, very similar to aspects of, of what Italy do. Um, I think pressing has increased in the Italian game. Uh, they, they don't press as much as, for example, Bundesliga sides or Premier League sides, but it is more of a thing than it was, say, even five years ago because coaching has proliferated. And the ideas, the techniques that coaches employ, particularly top-level coaches, they're constantly looking to borrow from other people that they come across in the Champions League that are doing interesting and, and good things and this is one of those uh, instances I mean I guess you know certain certain facets of football the, the idea of trying to exploit space between the lines create overloads in wide areas have you know players occupying different positions a lot of this has been taken from sort of the way that Pep has developed positional play for example and you and these players, I think, I mean, this isn't just Italian players, but you'll you'll see a lot of, you know, Spain will do similar things, England will do similar things. Um, they are just more aware of this as a kind of preponderant style of football among big European sides. Mm. And and so... It's you, just normal now. It's it's more normal. I mean, yes, you will have players like Barella, for example, who played under Conte at Inter, who used a three at the back, obviously, as Conte does. But even there he does play in that sort of advancing eight, almost a 10 role. So it's an easier transition for him. Even if what's going on around him is a little bit different, then Mm. that particular role kind of suits him.
1: Okay. So let's talk about this game specifically for a moment because at half time, you told me that Italy had had 14 shots and Turkey had had zero shots. That felt... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I could see that. Sorry, it's quite funny. I could see that they were dominating the game. I mean, the way that we talked about this a little bit, my point was destroyed by the end of the game because Insigne scored a, a, yeah, a yeah. wonderful outside of the post to the far post shot, which is exactly what it looked like they tried to do fourteen or fifteen times and hadn't quite uh, been successful at. But we were talking about this uh, this idea that perhaps this is something we might see during the group stages a bit in this tournament is where one team, at least. If there is a dominant team within a group, you might have these games where one team is extremely dominant and another is extremely defensive for obvious reasons.
2: Yeah, I think so. I also think it's it's one of the tendencies that you see in first games. People don't want to lose, Joe. Like people want to make sure that even if you come out of the first game having given quite a negative performance, you're still in a kind of a fairly neutral position within the group. So at halftime, like beyond the shots, I looked up the um, the respective heat maps of the two teams, and Italy's looked like. Um, you know, what, um, sort of the outline of Patman looks like, with a, sort of the jaws, and it was right around the sort of the um, the edge of the Turkish centre, uh, penalty box, and it was as if, right, we're just going to lock up that central area, and we're going to we're going to cede the uh, the flanks to you, play these wide ball, play play out to the flanks, play balls into the box towards our strength, which is big physical centre halves, and if you're good enough to cut through us with this kind of precise football in the penalty box, then you'll beat us, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and it felt like. I don't know, I think we'll probably come on to it later, but it felt as if that if Turkey had asked a few more questions, I mean, a little bit bolder. This is a team, remember, this is a team that beat you know Holland not so long ago, scored four times against Holland, mm. caused problems. And actually, like I, I know a 3-0 scoreline doesn't really support this, but we had a few moments, particularly in the... Um, there was that, that counter-attack in the first half, which Yilmaz kind of broke away down, down the flank, behind one of the fullbacks. Florenzi had been caught upfield. And you thought with a little bit more support, with an extra one or two runners in that position, you could hurt this team. And actually, I wanted to ask Alex about this because Kylian and Benici, great centre-backs. You look around the rest of the tournament and you look specifically at, I suppose, all roads really lead to France at Euro 2020 and Mbappe up front and pace, basically. And I'd say Portugal haven't quite got as much direct pace, but they've got those direct players that if they get at centre-halves in that mould, it's a problem. I wonder if there's, a, there's an argument for... I don't know dropping a dropping into a back three at some point creating a little bit more stability so that you haven't got two players who are at the veteran stage of their career exposed to the, that kind of dynamism because that doesn't feel if if Berak Yilmaz much as we love him on the T podcast um, if he's making you if me, he's making you look uncomfortable hmm. imagine what else looks in the rest of the tournament that's a worry for me well I think bit. I think more the
3: point there if he's making you uncomfortable in that way yeah because if he's you know, backing into you and contesting aerial balls. He's gonna and make stuff. anyone uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, so Italy Italy did this a number of times uh themselves quite successfully. That the ball that comes back inside from an overlapping left back hits a player in a sort of fairly yeah. advanced left half space position, who then hits a ball back inside for a player to run onto and kind of creates The sort of shape of... I'm trying to remember this as a podcast (laughs) rather than just... You're not going to use my Pac-Man analogy. (laughs) Sure, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in in preparation for this tournament, I've watched a lot of international teams play football and a lot of them concede goals in that space, in that channel between what is their either outside right centre-back of two or three and a wide right player. And I think... You know, one of the ways to counter this is to play three at the back, because in that sense, you're able to push one player across a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I do think it also comes from the fact that when teams are transitioning quickly from defense into attack, opposition back lines are spreading. Because whether they've got two or uh, three central defenders, the fullbacks are always pushing up at least yeah. and at least sort of 35 40 yards. And so the center backs naturally split to do that in order to not leave acres of space in behind the full backs. But what that means is that they're not very close together, but they're yeah. also not, you know, right into those spaces and it does mean that teams can transition there and and it seems like it's a consistent area of weakness for
2: almost every team in the tournament. It that means you have be to be really good in possession, right? Because if you, yeah. if you if you turn the ball over, or anywhere, sort of, I guess anywhere. 20 yards beyond the halfway line and you've got so tonight for instance Spinozola was super aggressive on the left side he was great by the way I thought he was fantastic Um, nearly scored that goal nearly scored that goal Mm -hmm. but any mistake in that situation and all of a sudden you are playing a very different game against a lot of teams like you say who have kind of adapted to having a three at the top of their formation and generally at least one very very rapid player it it would scare me yeah Yeah.
3: well I think this is why you have uh, teams where there is quite a conservative holding midfielder who may be... Declan Rice is a good example here. For, for West Ham, he's more progressive, right? Yeah. He's more press resistant. He'll carry the ball. He'll look to pass it long. For England, he sits a lot deeper a lot of the time. And one of the reasons for that is his major function is to prevent the opposition from transitioning. Now, unfortunately, what this does is it means that he gets pulled wide quite a lot and then you can, again, attack at the centre. But... I think teams where there is less of that kind of... I mean, let's be honest, right? Jorginho, excellent in possession, excellent long
2: passer of the ball. Don't trust him without it.
3: He's not a defensive (laughs) screen in that same sort of way. Uh, And this is why he plays for Chelsea in that midfield double pivot alongside a much more energetic midfielder in in someone like Kante or Kovacic. Um, And so you're either asking... Locatelli to hold back, mm-hmm. uh, or you're asking the fullbacks not to push quite so high, which you can't get Spinazzola not to do,
2: which negates the effect of someone like that, though. If, you, exactly if you're picking this. him, yeah. you want
3: him to do those things, right? So, so you you're basically again looking at a balance there, but and this, this international football is or any football is always a balance between attack and defence, uh, and I think. Sometimes if you're in Italy, for example, one of the bigger teams, Belgium, England, whoever, they will look at keeping possession as being a major way of defending. That's a really good If one. you don't have the ball, then you can't do all of these things. And we can push players high and all the rest of it. It doesn't matter unless we turn it over. And then they're going to hope that, you know, low percentage opportunity, someone makes a mistake, someone is at least force-wide, there isn't a runner you know, coming like that that burry Kilmaz break that you talked about. Yeah. You know, if Tufan had been busting a gut to get up to the edge of the box, that that might have worked. But no one was doing that.
1: And I think I that guess, would be yeah. a worry for Italy as well, because the other thing that I would like to talk about based on their performance in this game is that it took them a, a huge number of chances to score a yeah. goal. And <laughs> actually it was the opposition that scored a goal for them an and own goal in the end. Uh, if uh, if they are playing against bigger teams and I mean we can talk a little bit about the, the rest of the, the teams in this group we've got Wales and Switzerland to come you feel after beating Turkey 3-0 that Italy are absolute clear favourites to finish top of this group but as they progress further throughout the tournament and they do face teams who hold on to the ball a little bit more sharpness in attack has to be a much you know is going, going to be much more important and presumably do you get the impression having watched this team a little bit before that this was perhaps a nerves Uh, issue, that you know, it's like first game of the tournament or is this something we've seen from Italy takes them a little bit longer, they're not as sharp an attack?
3: Yeah, none of their strikers are particularly clinical in front of goal Mm. Um, you know, yes they generated a few decent opportunities from set pieces and because they have Chiellini and Bonucci, that's always going to be, uh, you know, a, a potential option for them, but I do think that Italy will be the kind of team that needs to generate Five ten chances before they get even a decent shot on goal, yeah. and yeah, you know that the 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 play that led to Demarais' own goal was good play, but it wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that they were regularly creating as an opportunity. Otherwise,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it did need a mistake as well. As remember, I mean, good move. Well, it needed the slip. didn't It, it needed it? the slip, but, and it's but a good that, percentage that ball that but... driving driving right to the byline and looking for that. Ball back through the corridor of uncertainty from a very, very deep position. From memory, that was. The first, maybe second time that they'd attempted that particular thing as opposed to the cutting inside yeah. and shooting or trying to generate an opportunity by driving directly towards the, the heart of the Turkish defence rather than get behind it.
2: Yeah, it's the first time I can remember them actually getting to the byline in that exactly, session yes. having the time yeah. and not just being crowded out by a covering centre back and probably a fullback covering the cutback yeah. too. That was probably Yeah. And Even of though- course
3: this is one of the reasons why your fullbacks overlap, right? Yeah. It it's it's that opportunity to get to the byline and pull that cross back is great but also even if they don't get the ball by doing that or making that run they're putting the opposition fullback in two minds or they're dragging the wide midfielder with them so that your inside forward is then only one on one with the fullback and so that they'll they'll keep doing that it's about decision making yeah. when the ball is in that advanced area do you play it to the fullback on the overlap or do you cut inside and shoot? And Italy did the latter probably one too many times.
2: Yeah, I suppose the big question is then, can they go all the way, Seb? Uh, I think Answer ha- that. I think it's tricky, Joe. I think they're going to have to be flexible. I don't like that defence against the best players in, in the competition. Mm. I also, like Alex has always men- already mentioned it, Jorginho is someone, we're a little bit biased because we've seen Jorginho in a Premier League context and he exists in this kind of... Um, Sphere of negativity, doesn't he? Because he he came over, he suffered a little bit when Sarri was at Chelsea. He got vilified as kind of as a as sort of the emblem for a regime that the fans didn't really like. But I still think that if you if you take that little triangle, Chiellini, Bonucci, Tregenio I I don't know, you put you match up top rate number nine, uh, some sort of you know really decent eights and tens into those areas is still a little bit concerned. And I, I love watching those fullbacks. We've talked about Spinazzola, I thought he was great. Um, I don't know, maybe aggression and entertainment is going to look like naivety in about two and a half weeks' time. I don't know. I just think that France is so strong. Portugal so um, is I mean, so strong. I don't know. England are so strong. But also, I, I think they need, they need a kind of, they need a perfect game. Like you'd say, if you match this Italy team up against France or Portugal, you'd say they probably win three out of 10. Because, just because of the players they've got on the pitch. And mm. also because there aren't many players in this Italy team. They're good players. They've got a, a wonderful unbeaten run. Have any of these players uh, achieved at international level? No, not really. Um, and so you worry about how they're going to be in those kind of games. Like beating Turkey on an opening night in front of your home crowd, it's different. It's different. Do you know, also, watching the game, I don't know how to describe it, but 3-0, uh,
1: sort of, it feels like it flatters them even yep. though having watched the game it doesn't flatter them no, at no. all but it still feels like it flatters them and I can't quite put my finger on why that is maybe it was just as you said a little, a little bit of sloppiness and I think we should, maybe we should put ourselves in the position of the players as a European Championship it's been something they've been working for us for a long time delayed by a year everyone's absolutely knackered after a kind of you know, a squeeze together uh, domestic season. So I think you saw like, the commentators were talking about it with the Turkey team uh, about 65 minutes in, players being subbed off, like almost crawling to
2: the touchline. Florenzi made it out of the first half just about. Yeah, yeah. You know know what's interesting though? Let's be fair because... 2018, Italian football's in chaos. There's a really decent generation of players coming through, but nobody really cares about that because the top level is really negative. That playoff against Sweden was a disaster, like the failure to to qualify for the World Cup. So to come from where they are, from where they were, sorry, to the run that they've had and forgetting whether they deserve to win 3 nil, 2 nil, 4 nil, like to produce that as a performance and for us to be talking now about whether they're equipped to go and win the tournament, that's still a really dramatic turn in their cycle. Yeah, and we're not just, I don't know, are they any good or not? It's, it, feels, it feels a little bit harsh. It's just that, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's almost like their improvement has happened so quickly and it's been so dramatic that you almost don't trust it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're
1: saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, okay, we'll be back in just a minute.
0: Let's talk about
1: Turkey. Uh, Alex, We I know we've mentioned Turkey a little bit already, but will you tell me a bit about how they set up? I was disappointed. I'll be honest. I've got yeah. two Turkish players in my fantasy team, both uh, <laughs> two of the three Ilmazes. One of them didn't play. Uh, but uh, I thought, well, I looked at the team, oh, that's a good team. They've got yeah. some Lille players, as you were mentioning. Uh, lots of players whose names I recognise. Soyuncu, of course. Great. He's a great player, wonderful haircut, you know. Uh, I was disappointed. I was expecting more from them. And now I remember that they're in the same group as Switzerland and Wales. It's actually not that straightforward, is it?
3: No, it it's tricky. I, like, Turkey are quite an interesting team tactically. So they sort of have a... Uh, again, they they do this thing where the, the centre-backs will split wide. The goalkeeper, who I think was exceptional... This yeah. case, Outstanding.
2: The he was great. Really, I was mean, really great. in
3: terms of decision-making, a couple of the saves, but also... That low flat kicking uh, to to penetrate the the first line mm. or two of the Italian defence I thought was really really impressive. But so the fullbacks will push up a little bit. Yokuslu um, sits in uh, and creates a kind of diamond with the centre back so that they can rotate the ball. But then ahead of that, it gets very messy. Um, so Ilmaz is there to act as a focal point, but also to run the channels. Um, Behind that, you've effectively got players um, who, for their club sides, play a variety of different positions. And really, apart from Tufan, who is an orthodox number eight, all of those other players in in Turkey's lineup have played in wide positions, have played as tens, have played as strikers or second strikers. And what I found with Turkey today was that in the rare occasions where they did have the ball, and let's be honest, they had almost no sustained possession... So even then, it, it becomes quite difficult to analyse them because <laughs> you can't see what they're doing mm. uh, if they don't have the ball. But they clustered way too much in the middle for me. I don't I don't think the the fullbacks were pushing high enough to get the width. I think Chalonoglu's natural inclination is to drift inside and look for the ball and act as the the creative hub, which is why he plays very much as a kind of an inside player or an eight. For, mm. for Milan but you stick him on the wing he's going to come inside but he's going to come inside quite deep because he's a he's a through ball player he's a long passer he's not the sort of person who's going to dribble it forwards mm. you end up basically with just a club and this is why they brought under on in the second half because they needed somebody anybody to try and maintain the width at least to attack one of these fullbacks if Italy's fullbacks are pushing high 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 all the time and you don't have a winger who's looking to get in behind them, then that's kind of a an error. But I, I, it's because Turkey's best and most creative players are not natural wide players.
1: Well, I was going to ask you specifically about uh Alou, because he's, uh, so he's been um, linked to various Premier League teams. Available season. on a free transfer now. Is mm. he available this he's summer on. He's available on a free transfer? Yep. Goodness gracious me. It's AC Milan right now, isn't he? He is indeed, Yeah. Yep. And he's a player that you know, people, people are excited about. I remember... Um, Reading James Horncastle's uh, Italy preview before, mm. and he sort of pointed out, pointed him out as you know needing to prove that he's worth that move now because this is this is this will be his big opportunity, yep. right, yep. At, the, at, at his age. Um, but you're right, we didn't really get to see much of him, did we? No. And that was a little disappointing.
3: It's a real shame. So he's he's not a massive goal threat, although from direct direct from set pieces, he can be really really good. He will occasionally whack in the absolute perler from sort of 35 <laughs> yards, one touch, half volley. But as a creative player, he is excellent. Um, he would definitely thrive in a team that doesn't require a huge amount of pressing. He's not a particularly dynamic defender. Um, but if you want somebody who can sit in either as a, a 10 or I suppose someone, I don't know, he's a little bit like a, a Ziyech, for example, who can, who can sit in that space tucked ever so slightly inside from a wide area and do interesting and creative things with the ball, but you're not gonna rely on him in a in a high pressing team. He wouldn't mm. work at Liverpool, for example, I don't think. Hakim and Hakan. I sure I'd watch that. I'd listen to that podcast.
2: It's, a, it's annoying though, because we we talked about I think we talked about Turkey probably three months, four months ago on the podcast. And we we mm. said we said they're gonna concede goals, but they could be fun going forward. And I feel a little bit shortchanged because I think that when I mean, we we've we spent time watching Lille this season and we've enjoyed watching Ilmaz, but Cahanolu to me is someone you need to play in this Turkish team. You need to play closer to Ilmaz mm-hmm. because that's how you bring him into the game. And also, Tefan, had um, Tufan for me. I I know he's an eight, but Tufan for me is at his best when he has a shooting opportunity. You got to put him in position to be a goal threat. And so I would have play Okay as a, at the base of a centre midfield, Tufan next to him, and then build a little bit of a three out of Chalanolu and Yilmaz and probably someone like Undo just for the, for the pace. Because I think Turkey are going to have to play a little bit on the counter-attack, but you just... Play to your strengths. Here's yeah. a question. Play to no. your strengths. Would
1: you say that directly to the face of uh, Chanel Ganesh?
2: I would not. No, I would be
1: afraid. <laughs> he looks like a man with authority.
2: He looks like a man that would hit me for saying that to his face. So we shall sure, no. <laughs> know. I just, true. and, and you, look, I, I, it's difficult because when, when you have a situation in a tournament where a, a third place team can go through... As, as you know for being a best runner up or one of the best runners up then the temptation is to be conservative and to be negative and to kind of um, curl up into a ball and say mm. please don't hurt me too much on opening night because if you do you're going to destroy my confidence I get it I get it I get it but also dance with the one that brung you because you can take have the tools to damage teams and I, I think I still hope to see that against Wales and Sweden uh, Switzerland sorry I, I think they'll beat Wales but it just feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity. And it's, it's sad that they've they've progressed and now they've created this big negative on an opening night. It's just unfortunate.
1: Well, after the, after this result now, is, yeah. is, is there's probably things that'll have third place progression in the back of their mind. Because I but said, with, like, with Wales the, and Switzerland are not easy John. games, right?
2: They're not easy games. And I, I think this kind of forces their hand. You, you could see three times in your first game, you're on the back foot immediately mm. and you have to come out of your shell. I wonder whether like... Wales, to me, I think Wales-Turkey is going to be really interesting because Switzerland are not going to be an open team. They're a little bit more... We might see more of Turkey's attacking flair exactly against that. Switzerland, right? Yeah. Well, I think That'll I'll have be fun. to. I think I'll have to. I, I,
3: I suspect, and we were talking about this a little bit before, I suspect that Wales will actually cause Turkey more problems than Switzerland will. Yeah, you were saying this. Um, yeah. Because this uh, the use of the, the false nine that Wales have been doing rather than having just Kiefer Moore up front as a target man, they've, they've been trying to play a lot more through the lines. And these quick movements, and, and then you've got, you know, obviously someone like Gareth Bale making those surging runs in field. It seemed like that space was the space that Turkey found hardest to defend, which is odd because they've got... That's their strength. Progressive, bulky centre-backs yeah. who will push for. I mean, Soyuncu's... Biggest single weakness as a defender is he sells himself by going
2: too quickly out. So I'm do not you, quite sure why that, that so happened. Cho, but to me, he he's someone that got spooked at some point when he when he, when he first established himself at Leicester. He was a really excellent player, like mm. on the ball without the ball, did everything really well. It seems to me as if there's something that there's been like a <laughs> like a trauma that's occurred in his in his um, in his playing personality, and it's kind of created this slight rashness. It's like a, um, a first and second act. No, he was always day. he was rash before was he, he moved like to Leicester.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He he he's the kind of centre back who, when he sees the ball coming through the air and the the opposition player is going to have it is ten yards in front of him, he still wants to try and make he'll that. He'll mangala. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and sometimes he will he you know he'll go past. Yeah. <laughs> he'll yeah, overshoot, yeah, yeah. or and so he has this tendency. I I think. You know, Switzerland will be more dynamic, more physical, um, but will also probably give Turkey the lion's share of... Well, not lion's share of possession, but a decent chunk of possession that will allow them to start stringing some passes together. I, th- I think
2: Wales could be very tricky on the counter for Turkey. That's interesting. I worry a little bit about Switzerland's ability to score goals because Harris Zafirovic is still starting on top of their formation. How isn't? often do you worry about that, honestly? I mean it doesn't keep me awake at night worry the second but it's time kind he's of mentioned it today, I though. I mean it's it's been a little bit of a concern I brought it up a few times and um I I kind of bully Harris Safarovic every time there's an international tournament I, sure. I I just don't understand how he Anyway yeah I feel like if I go further down that road it's going to end with Remember that going, we're <laughs> live yeah but <laughs> we it, can't get out of the things that you said No but I was going to say like if I go further down that um further yeah. down that road he's going to end up making me look silly at some point so you know Fingers I just, I think him playing as a as single centre forward against those, those Turkish defenders, I'd like Turkey against them.
1: Listen, let's not blow our, our Swiss wad. We've got them to come. We'll okay. talk about that tomorrow. Okay. Fine. Uh, I'm curious to know, after almost no information and only one game, what you now think the outcome of, uh, of Group A will, will look like. I mean, I assume we would all agree wholeheartedly that Italy will finish top of the group without any huge struggles. I mean, I remember yeah. you saying that you thought that Wales might cause them problems. Because of how high, they, how high the uh, high defensive line is?
3: I, I think any team can cause Italy problems. Uh, I, think, I think Italy's problem... <laughs> Full start
2: off. <laughs> <Just> start <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's, Italy's
3: problem is going to be a problem that any team can exploit. Yeah. And that is the combination of two slow centre-backs, admittedly great readers of the ball, you know, intelligent footballers, but they're still slow protected by a defensive midfielder who's not very defensive with fullbacks who by and large want to play basically in the opposition penalty area and it doesn't matter if you're Switzerland or Wales or any of the teams that Italy will meet further down the line that is an exploitable situation certain teams will do it better if a team has a and Mbappe in it, for example, sure. then it's going to be fine. They have all the best players. Right. Fastest players. Oh, okay. Uh,
2: I wonder, I wonder if, if Wales pushed Bale into more of a nine in that, because like, yeah. he's not he's not the player that, obviously, because he's much older, he's not the player that destroyed mykon down the left-hand side. He's not a player that's going to bounce like a metronome um, up and down a wing. He's a goal scorer now. He's a centre-forward. He's still quick. But if you put him up against ageing centre-halves, he still looks very quick.
1: Well, I mean, the big question here then is who finishes second in this group? It should still be
3: Turkey. I still think Turkey, yeah. But oh. don't rule out Wales pulling off a slightly shocked result against someone. You have to. You have to venture a prediction too. Oh,
1: well, I think Wales will finish second.
3: Really? Bold? I mean, yeah. I, I, it's difficult to demure from that because the other thing I do like about Wales... Is that if the kind of Wilson, Bale, James, very rapid, lots of passes, lots of David pace. Brooks as well, mm-hmm. if that approach doesn't work, then they can bring on a proper lump of a target man yeah. and bang the ball into them with quick runners off. So and they've got Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, right? As we talked about outside, that Wales's problem is that they have a slightly porous backline where none of the players are really, you know, established starters at top level teams. Sure. So they're going to have to hope that they hold out. But on the counter-attack, Wales have scored some absolutely sublime goals recently. Can I say as well, I might be
1: totally misremembering this, but wasn't one of the surprising things about 2016 that Wales defended really, really well yeah, and didn't definitely. concede many goals?
3: Yes, but they... With
1: a, with a defence full of players who weren't top-level defenders.
3: But with a back five... yeah where they could basically ping it long to Hal Robson-Khanu and hope that someone would run yeah. off them. You also okay. had, I suppose... So it's, a, it's a different style of football now. Mm. Bale,
2: at, you know, 26, 27, genuinely a world-class player at the top of his form. I mean, I, I wanna, let, me, let me ask you, though, if you've if you got Wales finishing second, who are they beating to get there? The other teams that finish third and fourth. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to expand on that? That's just...
1: no. Okay. No, I, mean, I, I would, I will I would expand. I, I was I, my, my expectation was that Turkey would finish second yeah. before I watched Turkey this evening, and I, I again, I will return to my point. Uh, Italy absolutely deserved to win the game. I still think three 0 was too much. Three 0 was too was a bit too much, but Turkey, as you know, as we've discussed during this podcast, they just didn't really seem to have any kind of solution to it, and that surprised me. Uh, and I feel like another team. With a bit more gusto. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's the like wrong. You know, decile. it's like all the wrong words. But I, 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 would be surprised to see Italy do the same thing to Switzerland or the same thing to Wales, and that means something to me.
2: What was the um the statistic that we heard, which was that that was the first time that Italy have won a game by more than two goals in. A- it's the first time they scored
1: more than two goals in a European Championship game. That's, to ever. me, that's absolutely insane. It
2: is insane. That might be part of and it why should have you- been six. Yeah, yeah. It should
1: have been six, and that's why I'm disappointed.
2: 14 shots to nothing at halftime? <laughs> yes, it should have been
1: six. We've been talking about this for a long time. Have, I think we, we have, started yeah. with that statistic.
2: But that's nice and, you know, that's sure.
1: You know, good symmetry. We'll, we'll be back in a moment.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
1: We're back. (laughs) Uh, I want to know, Seb, this is the first game of the European Championships. We've been building up to this for some time, uh, professionally, personally, personally. You know, it's been exciting.
2: When you sat down to watch the game, did you feel all the dubulation? Even before I sat down to watch the game, as you know, mm. because uh, you've been around me for the last few hours, mm. I had an unusual amount of energy. I'm usually quite a sluggish person. I'm it's because there's my,
1: cupcakes in the office.
2: There were, yeah, but even before the cupcakes, there's a, a football that we found that I was... You had to tell me not to kick around the office. Mm. I, you know what it is? It's, it's the tournament, yes, the return of fans just brings a little bit of tension. <laughs> You've
1: got the fever.
2: <laughs> of course, because I, I came in I came to the office this morning and I, I arrived ludicrously early. And uh I was just walking cliche. I, I broke open the wall chart. I tried to find some sure. some blue tack to put it up. I um I found a football somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. It brings it out of me. International football tournament. What's not to
1: like? I want to speak for the people who aren't feeling that, though. Uh, you, because, you weren't... Well, you... no, but, like, this is... A, I remember now, like, at every major tournament, it's, it's actually... It's always, like, either the first Saturday, yeah. where there's three games, or a, random, like, Tuesday into, into the first sort of full week, where I go, oh, this is actually amazing. But I, it, I'm a slow
2: starter so with it. This evening, you... I mean, it, it took 14 minutes for you to tell us that you... In fact, you were bored. yeah. Did that change over the, the remaining seventy six minutes? Did you get into it once a few goals started going in? Once no, no one grabbed
1: me. Neither of the teams grabbed me. I think I need to be grabbed and and wrestled to the floor. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to and take I wasn't. that?
2: Is it? You mean do you mean like the the emergence of a favourite? I or? just every
1: time I think about an international tournament, I think about Van Persie's header against Spain. Yeah, and, and it, I think yeah, like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. yeah. was yeah. that
3: moment? That was right. day
1: two, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it's that was
1: a, like really early in the tournament. So their first game, and I was in the pub watching that and the sun was coming in through the open summer doors of the Old Red Lion Theatre, where uh, Seb Stafford-Borah is staying during the tournament, by the way. You should visit the Old Red Lion Theatre in Angel. It's Uncle Damien's pub. It's Uncle Damien's pub. And I can guarantee you it is one of the best places to watch football in London, and it's booked for a lot of days. It's Uh, insanely
2: popular, so if you want to go, you're going to get out of it. But there's
1: spots, you should check it out. If you live anywhere near Angel... Uh, do call uh, the old Red Lion Theatre in Angel Isingston and make a booking also, he's kindly, Uncle Damien is kindly yeah. allowed Seb to stay there free of charge throughout the tournament. So uh, please go and pay your respects to Uncle Damien. But I was watching that in the sun with my old friend Dean Buckley and uh, when that goal went in, I, I don't, don't support the Netherlands and, uh, yeah, you know, mind. but I was just thought like I was totally grabbed by it and then I was in for the tournament and that's all it took. And I think I'm just waiting for that might be game two, might be game seven. I'm
2: just waiting for that special moment. How invested are you in England in this tournament? Uh, yeah, very invested. So maybe you, I'll, maybe it'll be Sunday. Do you think it might be Sunday when we when we actually we actually feel some tension for the occasion?
1: Yeah, I feel excited now you've said that. There we go, there yeah. it is. You've got a big
2: smile, that's, there it is. There like, it. Look, it? At, look at his face. It's just patriotism. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: okay, how did you feel, Alex? About what? About the, I don't know. About <laughs> <Just, laughs> Just thinking, there was anyone game to talk you, about. So now I'm Alex, just asking Alex you how you feel. a
2: manga. like when when the first uh, Italian goal That's went true. in, he was a little bit invested in the Turkish cause. He- I was a bit uncomfortable about how he was stalking the room. There's, a, I tell you what, what I'll do is, it, uh, when we finish recording, um, I'm going to put on, uh, I'm going to put a photo of Alex from the first half out on social media. He's into it. He's into it. Pen, pencil behind the ear, mm. arms crossed, right up against the TV. I was like, I, I don't think I've watched a lot of football with you before. And this was a kind of an emergence of a different,
3: you know. Yeah, I, I was disappointed that you insisted in having commentary on. I know, you, um, you, you expressed your disappointment. But I, yeah, no, I, I, was, I was annoyed. I was annoyed by that goal because I thought yeah. it was silly and it was a It was a waste of all the defensive effort. Right, it was a exactly. Waste. And, and yeah. I, I have a certain affection for Turkey uh, on the basis of... Well, on no basis. <laughs> no basis at all, really. Uh, perhaps having watched quite a lot of Lille. Yeah. Um, but really, beyond that, none. Uh, and I just thought... I don't know. I, I get what Joe's saying, that that sometimes when you, when you watch a lot of football of this ilk, you, obviously, when England are playing, or Scotland, if you're Scottish, Wales, if you're Welsh, whatever, you're going to be invested, right? It's going yeah. to be exciting. When you watch... Games where you have no dog in the fight. You want moments. You want a bit of skill, a bit of controversy. Maybe, yeah, that you know, would be a fine. Bit of cheating, violence. You yeah, know, yeah. never an issue with that. I want
1: to dance with somebody. Right. I jo want to feel the heat with somebody. <laughs>
3: and all Italy
2: gave you somebody was who loves me. <laughs> you Pattern. can't you can't tee me up like that I can't me not I carry, carry on, on. You up. absolutely
3: fine with ignoring that yeah um yeah italy just gave lots of pretty patterns and the patterns were there and they were obvious yeah. and they, but there was no oomph there was nothing to yeah. get there was nothing to get your teeth into
1: i want to grasp onto some oomph that's all i'm saying here's a nice comment from ash by the way who's watching the live stream hi ash uh, Ash says, on a serious point, I think Italy played well, but I think Turkey played unusually timidly for the first period of the second half, and it gave Italy the advantage. Defo think uh, that Mancini's use of mid-table Italian league clubs will help in terms of formation alignment
2: and general camaraderie. Hey, that's a great point about Turkey being timid, because mm. when... Um, timid f- Turkey? Well, within a few minutes of, of Under coming on, he um, intercepted the uh, the ball, broke up the field, and you thought, right someone support him, someone support him, someone support him. And he showed a little bit of a weakness and the chance didn't result in a particularly good shooting opportunity because there was no one in support. Yeah. But you felt like that could be the spark for a little bit of momentum. Like you've unearthed the weakness, yeah. point yourself at it, you know, dedicate some resources to, to exposing it a little bit more and it didn't mm. happen. You just thought, there's your opening, there's your, there's, your, there's your prompt. And I don't know, I just added to this, we've talked about frustration a few times. That was another instance for me. I was, I was uh, annoying. Well,
1: here's, here's another one from Pat O, uh, who thinks that Insignia is the weak link. When he has a decision to make, uh, he usually makes the wrong one. <laughs> what do you think about that, Alex? <laughs> um, Maybe not quite so harshly, but there's, I mean, after watching this evening's game, I think there were lots of poor decisions made.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think if you're, if you're Mancini, one of the areas that you're definitely going to look at to improve is the don't always necessarily feel you have to shoot. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that if you've got aggressive fullbacks that are making good runs outside uh, then by all means use them and I think that would probably aid Italy's cause in attacking quite
2: significantly it's hard though for him because he, he's had such a good season I think this season was um, Insignia's most prolific Serie A year yeah. um, of his career it's a be- down do what you're told hard to come out of a season like that and you know if you've been so successful in front of goal in not a great Napoli team let's be fair yeah. Um you kind of, I don't know, I, I, I like him. I enjoy watching him. But then I suppose if I, if if, if, he, if he played for a team I supported, he might frustrate me a little bit. You
1: know who I liked? Tell me. I forgot to say I like Locatelli.
3: Yeah.
2: I yes, thought you, did. you did. The
1: best moment of the first half, uh, we talked about this, mm-hmm. was uh, was it Insignia or Beredi who had the shot? I can't Insignia. remember. Insignia. It, was, it was Insignia, yeah. but it was yeah. a 1-2 with Insignia and Locatelli. Yeah. And we were talking about it because the the, the local camera crew uh, didn't didn't show us the best bit of the move in the replay. They just kept showing us a rubbish shot. We were from all peering Insignia. around
2: the te- around the TV about six inches away from it, trying to work out who ran move.
1: over to the telly to get closer to see what number he was wearing. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was number five. I think it was at Locatelli. And I I like this is going to sound weird. I like how tall he is. I like him in those positions. He's strong. He turns the ball really well. He links the the the, the attack very well in that little left half space. I'd like to see more of
3: him. Maybe he grabbed me a little bit, Alex. See, I I. Personally, I think if Italy had a either a much more destructive central midfielder of a kind of you know imagine someone like an Italian Conrad Lima, mm. right? Then you have Locatelli as your deep lying playmaker, and I think Italy immediately have a more balanced and more solid midfield because I agree Locatelli is he has a lovely lovely range of passing. Uh, also, a bit of a goal threat if he gets up, but he has that physical presence that means he can just be a bit more of an anchor.
2: No, I was I was listening along to you. All I was, right, I thought well, your I, I you were. Well, I was cueing up a question energy. about yeah. I, I Locatelli. Every time someone mentions his name, I, I I wonder why it didn't quite work out for him at AC Milan. That's all.
3: Um, I don't know. Is the honest answer because to he that. seems to like? Well, he's, he's thrived at Sassuolo. He really because has because of the verticality. Because he's because he can drop off and collect the ball and then spray passes forwards and he has he is absolutely the creative hub of that team and and has all of the responsibility uh, about transitioning the ball from the defense to the attack it it almost exclusively goes through him not almost exclusively but a lot of it goes through him and i think he's a player who really at, at a youngish age cuz he's what 24 maybe still very young Still very young. Um, he's thrived on that responsibility and he's played with a coach who. and if you if you read about De Zerbi one of the things that, that his players often say is that he gives you the opportunity to screw up that he will tell you to do these quite complex things quite difficult tactical ideas go out and try them and if you mess it up and it goes wrong and we lose don't worry about it because you're doing the right thing you just haven't quite got the execution yet and that's, that's what has seen Locatelli really blossom into one of these fantastic all-round midfielders.
1: Dovidez, uh V says that uh, that was a financial decision on the part of Milan. Really? That's so, interesting. You no, know it's great having live comments, is <laughs> Yeah, it's really good, really good for <laughs> thanks, crowdsourcing thanks, information Dovidez. that we yeah. don't know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Extremely that's helpful.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay, but then
2: they went and got Ben So, who's a lovely player. Yeah, to me, that's... I, that's who not Arsenal really port- should have bought, but Well, whatever. it's kind of weird, we're kind of veering off a little bit, but that's kind of like a, that feels like a, a scouting blind spot on behalf of a lot of different clubs across Europe. Which, and, what is? Well, just not finding a player like that, and not you know if you look at the color of the clubs, it was that,
3: incredibly obvious
2: based on the his yeah, numbers. Yeah, but look at the amount of clubs that passed on him. Look at the, and also look at the look at some of those clubs and look at the vacancies they have in that position. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, but then Milan have got a really smart transfer team. They do now, yeah, Yeah, after a very
3: long time. Yes, they do now.
1: I checked out for a minute, I was reading the comments. Uh, You guys carried on talking. Uh, The last thing I want to do for today's episode, I'm pumped now. Now I'm pumped. You've
2: been grabbed by Locatelli. You have. I was grabbed by Locatelli. I was also, I was grabbed by the England champ. I, I in England, England in 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 the... your, your face kind of lit up a little <laughs> bit and you know, you got excited.
1: Well, I'm you know, just really looking forward to seeing us go out in the quarterfinals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> group A, I can see over here on to my right hand side uh, that there is a, we've got the wonderful Euro TIFO 2020 uh, uh what do you call that? Wall charts.
2: Wall, wall chart. Chart. designed by our very own Alice Devine.
1: Yeah, designed by sister Alice. Uh, she's not a nun. She is my sister. What are the games? What are the next two games? Sorry, uh, that they play. Uh, the, uh, the,
3: who does Turkey play next, Alex? Uh, Turkey play Wales on the fifteenth, and then they play Switzerland on the twentieth.
1: Okay, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, we'll come back to talk about those closer to the time. But um, tomorrow's three games. I would like to hear predictions from you both and we'll make sure to get JJ's before the game starts tomorrow because during the 2018 World Cup, I personally had quite a lot of fun doing this with a a different point system for uh, predictions for the next day because I won and Alex lost. And uh, every time we do, just to remind you again, Alex, I did beat you in the fantasy football by 200 points. He's not paying attention to me now. He's you also to beat me,
2: so I, I'm actually without. No, I mean I was this. paying attention. Like,
1: I just, just saying. Some people like to keep their football it, knowledge locked away, it, 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 deep it, deep, you, deep down, only for the sake of competition. When you, all I need, all I need to hear from you, yeah, is there's three fixtures tomorrow. Yes, and I would like predictions for you from those
2: fixtures, please. Predictions with scores or just. Uh, with Just scores. Winners. I want scores, You please. want scores. I want scores. Uh, I think Switzerland beat Wales 2-0. <laughs> yeah. What? I, what? I think Denmark give Finland a little bit of a thumping. I think that's 3-0. Um, and you know what? Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna uh, introduce a sub-point to this. Don't hit the table. Because that interferes with the sound. You have to- told me that. What have quite. I told you? You have told me that yeah. quite a few times. Yeah. Um, Uh, I think Belgium-Russia is finishing as a one-all draw. I think Russia... It's full of hot takes, isn't it? I think Russia are better than people think they are. I think Belgium have a few more weaknesses. I think Belgium carry, like, a pretty big punch into the tournament. I think he's offended the Finns, and he's come up with two... I'm alienating all all different... Yeah, but I've got to be bold. Like, i would be... You know, no, you don't. The, you want to take your slow and steady wins the you, race. You've, you've introduced a, a prediction game and you've asked for my predictions before you've told me how it's being judged, how it's being scored, um, well, how points it's are it's judged on the
3: basis of who gets the most Yeah, but right.
2: he suggested that there's more than just a kind of one point per one correct prediction. Yeah, because oh. if
3: you get the score, right... Joe will
1: change the rules to... I to won't, to, I so won't. Your, there's a, there's yeah, a, a, yeah. a coup here. There's a coup here. And he'll right. he'll record Listen. some kind of jingle Listen. about hey, it. Hey, you know. shush up. Stop talking. But
3: thank you for your predictions. Alex, I'd like your predictions, please. So, obviously, uh, the proviso that football is a luck Go, best. go, 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 so. go, go, <laughs> go, 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 go. And so predictions are ultimately pointless. Uh, uh-huh. Wales, 2-1. Denmark, 4-0. Belgium, 3-1.
2: Oh, no one from Finland is listening or watching this again.
3: I no, listen. That's I really right. like Finland. I they're organised. Why do you hate 40? everyone from Finland? Why I, I even learned bits of Finnish during lockdown. Kilti koira, which means, means bad dog in Finnish. Okay, or is it good dog?
1: I hate to know why you know how to say that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, hang it's on. It's an
2: early thing on Duolingo. We That's, we need you know hit your predictions too.
3: Yeah, I that's, just, that's sorry, what I'm doing. can I just say quickly on Russia? Mm. They Russia everything revolves around Golovan, Fernandez, and Zuba. And yes, Zuba can cause Fun player, Belgium's Zuba. problem Belgium's centre backs problems. Uh, but that Russian defensive line is a hot mess. <laughs> and
2: they can Zuba, is like a he's like a character in the Iliad. Like he's he's, he's incredible. like something, the something thing that with you him. have to defeat on the way so home. So he's a little long bit long long. like <laughs>
3: Kiefer Moore in that he is built like a brick outhouse, but actually his layoff play, his touch is really, really impressive. Yeah. This yeah. is not just somebody that you look. The only thing he won't do is press. He kind of <laughs> chugs around
2: angrily. But if, if you told him to press and he said no, he'd be like... Oh. Just be at, <laughs> I
3: don't just don't worry about whatever. It. <laughs> but Golovin is worth watching. Golovin <laughs> is class.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He was the he was the flavor of 2018, I remember. He was. Super, yeah, yeah. It was super fun to watch guy. them. Yeah. yeah.
3: And Ch- 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 what's the Church fella? off? No, that's the coach. That's the coach. The, the oh,
1: Cheryshev.
2: Cheryshev who's got yeah. that amazing yeah. Dennis Cheryshev. Yeah. Funny old career Dennis Cherishev. Never, Never Real Madrid, didn't there. he? Yeah. He was a Real Madrid. The thing about Dennis Cheryshev is he is
1: extraordinarily attractive. Like, what, like a man who you would say a minimum nine out of 10 for physical looks. I
2: would say that the tournament is grabbing you tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <But it sounds laughs> if, if Cherishev is playing, <laughs> I'm I'll be grabbing him now. He was extremely attractive. Like just, I mean, s- symmetrically speaking. Uh, you know? sh- symmetrically speaking. Right, it's my turn to do predictions, isn't it? What yeah. do I say? I say, um, what were the games?
2: Oh, Wales, Switzerland. Wales,
1: Switzerland. Yeah. I think Wales are going to win that game. Okay. I think they're going to win that game. Note how he
3: goes last.
1: Yeah. 1-0. I'll go first okay. tomorrow. Okay, all right. I think they're going to win, the, win that game 1-0. Denmark-Finland, please. Denmark-Finland. I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Teemu's going to score a goal. Right. Mr. Belgium, Pukki. Russia. Belgium-Russia. I'm going to say uh, Russia will win that game. Really? Score? Oh, I regret saying that. Boxed himself
2: right into a corner. 3-2. 1-2. Change your mind.
3: 3-2 to Russia. I mean, it's...
1: No, 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 no. You can't change your mind. Okay. Uh, it's like when you t- take your to hand, to you hand r- off
2: a chess piece. It's done. It's yeah. moved. It's over. know, yeah, live with it.
1: Anyway, this is the end now. Chess is a real game. Yeah. Uh, but thanks so much to everyone for uh, for watching. I should say to those people listening, I probably didn't make it clear at the beginning, we're live streaming these podcasts uh, <laughs> on YouTube as well. So there is a, there'll be some interaction with the audience if you'd uh, like to watch us. Recording these, we start most of them at around uh, 10 p.m. or just after the uh, BSC or just after the, the last game is finished uh, on the TIFO IRL YouTube channel. So if you could all subscribe to that. That'd be, that'd be great because uh, we'd, we'd love you to do that and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get some of you to watch the, the videos that we'll be making during the days as well. We've got Alex here and uh, JJ who'll be here over the weekend making some videos with the, the Tactics Board, talking about the most interesting themes and teams of the tournament so far. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow and Sunday and Monday and every day until the first break Forever. in 14 days Never, time yeah. uh, so join us on uh, YouTube at t irl or indeed continue to download the audio of this show after the fact uh, wherever you download your podcasts uh, but for now Alex Stewart thank you thank you Joe and Seb Stafford
2: Bloor good. thank you Joe Devine
1: yeah uh, also thanks to Don our live streaming videographer who you can't see uh, but he's there anyway back tomorrow and uh, farewell all